Lord, thank you, worship team. Amen. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will. And we're going to go over to Mark, the second chapter. Mark, the second chapter. Thank you so much for being here with us today to worship. We, you have stepped into what we believe is the best church around. Amen? Amen. Why? Because you're here, more importantly, because God's here. Amen? Amen. We're going to go after the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. We're going to love Him with everything in us, and we're going to trust in Him. Amen? And so let's go to Mark, the second chapter. And as we have just finished up, there's a few more t-shirts in the back if anybody wants to avail themselves to them, uh, $20 each. That's just what it costs us. Because we don't shrink back, Amen. We're not going to shrink back to destruction, but we're pressing on, we're pressing forward because what we understand, that it's not, it's not just about us, it's about a world in need, the world that God loves, and that the world that needs to hear the message that you have to share. So we're going to move into an area that the Lord has instructed me to move into, and that's the area of community. Now, I'm not talking about the community of Greenville. I'm talking about the community of believers, the community of believers, and how that what we do and how we interact and how we behave, how we treat one another has such profound impact. I'm not going to get into it today, but somewhere in this time that we're together, we're going to discover how powerful it is. When the brethren walk together in unity, you're going to discover that, hey, when we are together in one mind, in one accord, supernatural things begin to happen. In fact, they happen on an exponential level when the children of God walk together in unity. We're going to learn how to commiserate with others, which I think we do pretty well. The area we need help in is learning how to celebrate with others. But so often we, we, can, we can identify and we walk alongside those that are suffering, but man, if they get a reward, if they get promoted, if, if God blesses them in a special way, an old elder son begins to twist in our heart and we need to get rid of that and start celebrating because he gets the glory, amen? amen. We, either, we either take on the mindset of, of slaves just getting our due reward, or, or we can take on the mindset of sons and daughters in the house of God. And when you win, then we all win. Amen? So, but today I want to kind of draw to um, the vision of common unity, the understanding of what we're doing here on earth. Now let's go to the Lord before we go to our text. Lord, I want to thank you for your merciful kindness. I want to thank you for your great grace. Father, I'm asking for grace today to communicate effectively your word, your will, and your vision for this house. For we believe that you have called us together to bring the transformation to the nations into our community, into generations. And Lord, I'm asking, Lord, for the empowering of the Spirit to communicate effectively. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use this passage here, and I'm going I'm to springboard off of this, the first verse. But let's go ahead and read it in its entirety. And if you're in this portion of your Bible reading, you can count that towards yours, okay? <laughs> and again, he, speaking of Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. It was heard that he was in the house. The house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no more room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. My God, I love that. (laughs) The word was preaching the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men man who was incapable of walking in his own strength, as is every person born into a world of sin. You can't walk this walk without him. So, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, When they had broken through, there's a ceiling many times that arrests over the house of God. We talked about last week that ceiling is my tolerance for discomfort. See, because sometimes the facts keep us under the tight-fisted control of our circumstance. It's only when we elevate truth above that. Sometimes the atmosphere above us is just a cloud of misunderstanding. Sometimes there's an ideology that God is not for me. When I believe that God is not for me, then I live as if he's against me. It was an ideology that, that the Lord is only interested in me because of what I can contribute, not because of who I am. And so there's a, there's a, there's a covering there. But then comes along some individuals that say, it's time to break through that upper area and bring those in need before the Lord. Anyway, it's just a side note. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 6, and so some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart. What does the man speak? Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Exactly. But immediately... When Jesus perceived in his spirit, they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the, to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your home. Now, the Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so in this passage of Scripture here, we have the Lord likening the physical healing in this man to the actual forgiveness of sins. And he starts by saying to him, your sins are forgiven. What was the Lord doing? He was declaring in that room, not just for the room, but for generations to follow, I have come to heal you body, soul, and spirit. Because that word to seek and to save, that word save is sozo. To sozo. We've had this definition declared to us in this house. But see, in the, in the richness of the language of God, many times we lose it through our translation. We'll see things like healed, and we'll see things like saved, and we'll see things like delivered. But when we understand the scripture that God came to sozo us, what we begin to understand is that in that word, we came to seek and to save that which is lost. He has come to save us. He's come to heal us. He's come to deliver us. He's come to set us free. He not only sets us free and rescues us from danger, but he takes us from that place of insecurity, that place of harm, and he puts us into a secure place. Rescue. But see, I want you to, what I want to pick up on, and we talk about community, I want us to see that he was in the house. Now, if you look at the Word of God, and those of you that are studying and doing the 90-day, you many times will pick up on things, repetitive things in the Word of God that you may not pick up on if you take just a snapshot. The 90-day Bible reading will give you an overview in a hurry. You get a bird's-eye lens of the, of the totality of God's Word. So in that, you will discover that God starts in Genesis with an earthly home. We call that Eden. Eden was the garden of God. It was the dwelling place of man, but it's also the dwelling place of God on earth. It was the home that was supposed to be there for God and man. And so what we see is that because the corrupted nature of sin that, that set in, man was pushed out of that, that garden place of home, that presence of God. And so they ran and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Next thing you know, there's a flood that comes. God has now a houseboat. He takes all the seeds of, of Eden. <laughs> And, and he's going to replenish and restart the earth. And so he puts, he, he builds a, a houseboat, an ark. We won't get into all the details of it. He steps out of there. Then now we got Noah. He's getting drunk and doing all kinds of preferred things and who knows what. And next thing you know, the years go by. And then we discover that now there's another plan. There's another plan. And that other plan is the there's going to be a tabernacle, there's going to be a temple, there's going to be a, a temple mount. And, but see, from Genesis, we start with the home of God on earth, a house, a home. There's a home on earth, God's presence here on earth, God abiding with man. And you fast forward all the way to, to, to Revelation. What, is, what does Revelation 21 tell us in 3? And I heard a loud voice from heaven. My God, I wish we would hear a loud voice, a soft whisper, uh, a casual conversation, whatever it takes. But it's a loud voice that declares, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So we start with a house in Genesis, and we end with a house in Revelation. It is bookended. Now, why would you build a house? So that you could house someone. <laughs> know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Know you not that you are meant and made in order to house the living God inside of your heart? And it only comes as you hear the knocking at the door and you open it through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You let him in and now he dwells inside of you. But how is it, folks, and this is not even part of my message, but how is it when we have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, living on the inside of us and the Spirit declaring to us we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, how in the world do we continue to live like orphans, beggars, and victims when we have the true living God living on the inside of us? And it's my job. It's my wife's job, and so many jobs, and so many that are in here, Liz's job, and Jesse's job, and it's our job, the teacher's job, to bring you to the level of understanding of who you are in Christ. So, fullness. See, the Lord says, the spirit of the truth in the world cannot receive because neither sees him. <laughs> I can't see the spirit. And they don't know him, nor knows him. But he, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Mm. See, it's the intent and purpose of God that he live inside of here. It's why he made us, to dwell with us. That we may be brought into this relationship. Why in the world would I personally want to forfeit any of the inherited rights of being a king's kid for the things of the world? Why would I want to forfeit this measly thing called gold when I've got the king of kings and the lord of lords? Now, as we look at this in the dwelling place of God, what I want us to see here is it goes from a, from a, from a garden home <laughs> to a boathouse, and now we, we, we move forward, and now we're at the tabernacle. We're at the temporal dwelling that God is going to create in order to inhabit, to dwell with man on earth. There's a place that God said he would meet and he would dwell. It's beyond the veil in the, in the holies of holies. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And it's interesting to me, as you continue your study, you will find that every other furnishing in Solomon's temple was rebuilt. Rebuilt the Ark, the laver, the table of showbread, the, even the altar of incense. Even the lampstands were made bigger and broader and, and, and more grandeur. So, but there's only one piece of furnishing that didn't, didn't change. It wasn't altered. It didn't need to be altered. 
There was just one furnishing that, that was not remade. It was after it was made the first time. It was, it was enough in its inception to be accepted as the, as the, the very emblem of, of what it would represent one day, and that would be the Ark of the Covenant, and it was brought into the temple. Amen. So what we see in the, in the Word of God is we look at the, the, the idea and the understanding that God wants a dwelling place on earth. If you don't get anything else, get this. God wants to dwell in you. If you're a child of God, then understand this. God is dwelling in you. <laughs> if you have this understanding, you can now run through a troop and leap over a wall. You have a supernatural ability. You are not who you were. You are a brand new creature because you have died. And now you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's just stop right there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a mystery that I'm showing you, but you understand Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean? What is the hope of glory? The resurrection. Amen. How do you get the resurrection spirit inside of you? You get the resurrection spirit inside of you when you die. <laughs> When you die, not the end all physical death, because so many times, hear me, hear me, hear me, so many times we constitute the death of an individual as being the end prize for eternal salvation. What do I mean by that? How many times have I personally been to a funeral and there's no physical evidence that that person ever lived for God? And the minister or the family or somebody gets up and they preach them right into heaven. No, let me tell you, there's a lot of folks that might have been preached into heaven that are burning in hell today. How do we know? Because of the fruit that they bore while they were on earth. It is my intent and purpose to leave no doubt for my family to know that when I die, when God calls me home, that there is no question in their mind or anybody else I minister to. He was ready to go. Live life as such that you leave no doubt in anyone's mind who you belong to and where you are going. See, the death I'm talking about today is the death of old self. Oh, raunchy, nasty, I don't want any more to do with you. I hate your ever-loving guts. I don't want to look at you anymore. I'm sick of what you bring. I'm sick of your mindset. I am sick to death of who you are. I want you to die so that God can resurrect on the inside. Christ in you, the hope. Of glory, the hope that one day he will pull this absent from the body to be present with the Lord. But one day there's going to be the resurrection where there's going to be a meeting in the air. <laughs> there's going to be a meeting of this vessel that's going to be renewed. It's going to reunite with my spirit and I'm going to be one with the Lord forever. But Christ in you, God's desire is to dwell with you. It's no more complicated than that. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. 
Can we draw back to a little bit of Christmas I didn't get to? You'll forget before next Christmas, so I may preach it again. It's so close to the past Christmas. But it, and I found this in the law as I was reading Leviticus. But you notice when the wise men, the magi, came to give a gift to the Savior who was born. And isn't it interesting enough that many, if not all, theologians believe that the Magi was initiated and started by Daniel when he was in Persia? So how would they know the reading of the stars in the sky? How that there would be a bright light that would be shining one day and below that bright light that we set upon top of our Christmas tree so that we can and it cascades down and there's a gift underneath and what was the purpose and the intent of having that Bethlehem star up there is to light the, the path of the gift of all men and who shows up but lo, the, those in Persia come along. And they come in Persia because they got the information from someone. They got the information from Daniel when he was there in Babylonian captivity and now they know Oh, hey, we, we've been watching the stars, and no, it's not it. No, it's not it. No, it's not it. And no, wait a minute. They weren't there the night of his birth. It was a two-year span there that they made it over. But when they came, they brought three presents for him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What was the purpose of the symbolism in those, in those emblems that they brought, those gifts that they brought? They brought the gold. Anytime that you see gold in Scripture, when it pertains to the things of God, and we can prove it through Scripture as you look at what the streets of heaven are paved with, gold. You look at the tabernacle, and what you see is that in the tabernacle, on the exterior of the house, there was bronze furnishings. But you step into the veil, into the unseen area, what covers those furnishings on the inside? It's gold. To give us the indication that what we cannot see is where we're going and what we cannot see is eternal. Amen? So what we look at there is there's a gift of gold because God is going to use the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. It's another pointing to the fact that God is going to use this for his house. In other words, hear this. God's intent is to have an eternal house. So you've got gold that speaks of eternal house that God is building. That's why it's so important, young people, stay out of the bed until you get married. Amen? Because you run the risk of bringing in an eternity. It's not just a, it's not a choice. It is an eternity that you bring into the world. And you are not ready for that responsibility. Now, God can use, and he has uh, repeatedly, and many in this house have, 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 have been the result uh, of a teenage pregnancy or a pregnancy out of wedlock. We don't falter any of that. But what we're saying is that even those that have some wisdom and years behind them will say it wasn't an easy time because we weren't mature enough. Babies raising babies. Just too much. Do I need a dollar back? Lord said, you need a covenant. You need a mama and a daddy. There's the other side of the fence. They think, you know, two mamas and two. 
It ain't natural. Why? Because it doesn't produce. Where was I going with this? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are listening. See, because what you bring into the world is an eternal being. And you need to look at it as such. Because it is an awesome responsibility. It's worth it. Worth it. But that child that comes into the world needs ever available opportunity to succeed. And if mothers and fathers in the house of God understand the magnitude of the responsibility. I've had this conversation just yesterday. I didn't want to raise only hardworking children. I didn't want to raise just kids that were educated. I didn't want them to use their talents for the means of gaining income only. Our single greatest responsibility as parents and our single greatest accomplishment on earth was to guide our children to the Lord Almighty and then sow them back into the kingdom of God and so that they would raise their children according to the will of God. I'm glad that my children are educated. I'm glad that they have jobs. But they're not just have jobs. They're not just educated. Uh, They are functioning in ministry. And they're not only functioning in ministry. We taught them to tithe from an early age. uh, So that they understood uh, that the resources they have starts with God. uh, And with those resources, you are responsible for your time, your talent, and your treasure. Now you steward those uh, so that you may become a productive citizen uh, in the kingdom of God. Are you ready for that kind of responsibility? Was that crying baby at three in the morning was going to keep you up and you're going to wonder whether that moment of pleasure was worth the seduction of that little boy? I don't know who that's for, but you better take it in. Amen? So as we look here, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus came to build an eternal house. That frankincense is found in incense. God also came to build a house of prayer. He flipped over the tables. He said, you guys made it a den of thieves. My house will be called a house of prayer. My goal this year is to get 100 people in prayer meeting on Saturday morning. 100 people on Saturday morning. Starts at 8.30. I couldn't get to here at 7.14, so I'm going to start it. We've been starting at 8.30. And it it works more over your schedule. But I want to see before this year's end, 100 people in prayer. Now, we've been averaging. I'm telling you, we've probably had 24 or 5 
Some of you said, well, I've never been to prayer. <laughs> I understand schedules and all that stuff, and you're wondering, is this for me? Yeah, it's for you. Come on. Get out to the house and you will discover because God meets us here in this altar and everything stems from that prayer meeting. It's not from the everything pointing to the prayer meeting. From that prayer meeting, everything is going to happen. It's going to happen starting at that moment of prayer. When God's people come together and they begin to pray and cry out to God, God said, I'll heal your lands. I'll hear from heaven. You'll turn from your wicked ways. Come on, church. Oh, Lord, I just didn't have time for you. 8.30 is way too early in the morning for me. But what happens in 3 in the morning? You need him. eternal house. It's a house of prayer. But that myrrh, and I, I know many translations say, well, that's used in embalming fluid and whatever, and, and, and that may be so, but in the myrrh was used in the anointing oil. See, when the church understands that our central most part of our being is to house the living God, is get Jesus in the house, the limits will start lifting off. The word will start being preached. People want to, to get in, press into the area of your influence, hear what you have to say, and want to know what it is you got. Because you got this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, this myrrh, I'm preaching it so you can preach it how you want to. I just saw it in the law. And in the law, the gold covered the furnishings of the interior of the house. It speaks to me of eternity. We have the frankincense that is used as part of the ingredients that goes on the altar of incense, where the, that altar of incense goes up before the Lord. You see that revelation that the Alter the incense or the prayers of the saints and it ascends up into heaven. And then you've got the myrrh. The myrrh goes into the anointing oil. So what it tells me is that God has come to build an eternal house, a house of prayer, and a powerful house. <laughs> Because we understand who the, the anointing is and where we get the anointing. It is the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord said, you've got a work to do, but you need to go way to Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You need power, not down low power. You need up high power. You need power from on high. You need eternal power. You don't just need to sing. You need an anointing so that you can break forth in the heavens. We need a breakthrough in the house of God. God. And I believe it's going to come in worship. I believe it's going to come in the word. I believe it's going to come in the proclamation of the truth of God's word. But folks, also, we have here an anointing to preach. See, I'm just wasting my time and your time if there's no anointing resting upon the words. If there's no anointing resting upon the words that go out, it's going to penetrate beyond the darkened understanding, bringing into the light the word of God so that your life may be changed. It's an eternal house. But as reading the word of God, I was looking here. And I was thinking, because we were listening to one passage of scripture, and I flipped over and reading another, and I thought, wait, 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 wait. 
This is Moses building the tabernacle. Moses built a temporal dwelling. Solomon, the son, built a more permanent dwelling. Moses built the temporal dwelling. The tent. Moses received the law. The law is only prescriptive. It can only point out sins. It can only tell you what's wrong. David had a desire as the father to build the house. But the Lord said, no, David, you're not going to build the house. You're not going to build what's going to become a symbol of the ultimate desire that I have is the dwelling place with man. No, David, you're not going to do this, but your son will. Lest the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So what we have here is Moses was only leading to the ultimate plan for Israel, and that was to build the temple. What we have here is the law of God is, wasn't to be the end all for you and I. It was only a leading point to the place where there would be one that would come and he just so happened to be the son of God and he would be the one that tore the, the veil from the temple. He would be the one that built the house so that you and I may dwell with the Lord for all of eternity. Amen. So what is my mission on earth? It is to house the living God. Your mission on earth, this must be the central of our being and what we do and why we do it. Our divine purpose, God's vision for your life is that you may know him and that you may make him known. How can we make known who we do not know? How can we know who we do not spend time with? How is it that we have to be coaxed and prodded and poked to get into the book? How is it that we look around in a world that is decimated, desecrated, and going straight to hell with a, with a feather push? It's because the fire of God has gone out on the altar. We need some incandescent men and women of God to stand up to set the blaze of the glory of God to walk into the darkness and say, no more, no more, no more. I will illuminate the sacrifice of Christ. I will illuminate the sacrifice of Christ. I will live according to his will, according to his purpose, according to his plan, because there's a power resident on the inside, because I have come to make known the living God to every person that will hear in this house today. God loves you. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but I'm going after revival. I'm going after the resurrection of the church first. 
because I hear the knocking of the voice of the Lord at the door. And he's saying, I just want to get in my house. I'm just trying to get in my house. Oh, Peter, we prayed him right out of prison, but we couldn't get him in the house. Jesus is standing at the church of the Laodicean church, and he's knocking not at the world, but he's knocking at the door of the church. Would you let me in? Do you hear my voice? I want to step inside of you. I want to dwell in you. Will you not open that door? This is not a mamsy pamsy. Pudding eating. Pudding, pudding eating, pudding. Soft, purated, dialed down. Cotton candy just melts in your mouth and you stuck it to your tongue. No, we're looking for transformation. Generations and nations. We're looking for the youngest to the eldest to be transformed by the power, the knowledge of God. That's a little lofty goal. Hey, I don't think it's lofty enough. I think we are aiming at the moon and God wants us to shoot for the sun. Are you hearing me? God's wanting us to go well beyond. What does he want to do? He wants to break through. Why? Because he wants to get in the house. If he can get in the house, guess what happens? Things start happening. <laughs> Healing start taking place. Oh, let me tell you, don't take credit. Don't take credit. Don't take credit for the desire to see your hands being laid on the sick and those people recovering. Don't, don't even take credit for that. That's the hunger God put in your heart. Don't take credit for the word you can see yourself speaking before others. That's not you. That's the seed of God saying to you, it is time. It is time. It is time that you step into that fray and step up into that area. You don't have to wait on an assignment. You've already been assigned. You don't have to wait on a commissioning. You've already been commissioned. Just step into it. If there's not room enough in the house, then go get those and bring them in. Go out into the world and do the things that God has called you to do. Amen? So as we're looking here, see the Bible tells us the new covenant that God will make with the house of Israel after those days, and he's speaking to us. Verse 11 of Hebrews 8. None of them shall teach his neighbor, none of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. From the least to the greatest. We taught our children that God doesn't have grandchildren. That it's a, always a first generation. What do we mean by that? We meant that you have to have a relationship. You individually must have a relationship. Liz, do you mind if I share this? Just Why is this important? Liz is in Mexico ministering. Went over there to help plant a church, they plant three churches. She ministers to children. There's been a team go down there and minister to the kids. 11-year-old girl had to fight for her life the last couple of weeks because somebody attacked her, tried to choke her, left marks around her neck, tried to strangle her. Who knows what they had intended? Why is it important for Liz to be there? Could she stop? Potentially not. But do we want the enemy to continue to 
disrupt this young girl's life? Liz, what would happen if you were not there right now? What hope would this girl have in this darkened understanding? My God, church. We can't fix everybody before it. We can't prevent things from happening. But we can bring them into the light of God's word. And God can take that. And he can use that for his for his what the enemy intended to destroy them with, and he can use it for his good. Leah, thank God that you answered the call. Thank God that this child has now at least has hope that, that they can overcome in this area. You weren't there. You can't protect them all, but you can pray for them. You can minister to them. You can counsel them by the Spirit of the Lord. And there's not, we don't always have knowing what to say, but we can just lay hands and pray and watch God do what God does. But you can't do that. If you're not there, you can't do that. If you don't know him. If you don't know him, I shared this with the youth. I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to close. This will be my first official close. <laughs> Divine purpose. Many times we call it vision. Divine purpose. Can only be fulfilled in your life and my life to the full extent that God has intended. If we understand who we are, you got to know who you are in Christ by knowing who Christ is in you. Your call begins with knowing him. So many times people come into the house and they want to get busy doing. I appreciate that zeal. But you got to back up a minute and you got to get to know him. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be asked to, to do things. But see, the fullness of your call begins with the identity in Christ. Because once you know who you are in the Lord, now, now you're ready to step into the place that God has called you. So divine purpose has to start with God's vision, obviously. But divine purpose begins with you knowing who you are in Christ, you knowing him before you make him known. Then it continues with presence. Because the only one that can guide me through this darkened area of other people's darkened understanding, and even my own when he challenges me, is the spirit of truth who the Lord said will not only be with you, he'll be in you, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. And so I must have the presence of God guiding the divine purpose of God. So I, am, I implore you today to get to know God. The best place you can start is the Word of God. And then the prayer closet. And then the worship service. And then a seeking after the Lord. This continuation of getting to know the Lord in a relationship with Him. And then what fuels... What happens is purpose inevitably follows identity and presence. Purpose will follow identity and presence. Come on, purpose. Who am I following? I'm following the presence. I'm following the identity, the person of God. 
What's your job on earth? It doesn't matter what your assignment may be. It's to know him and to make him known. It's to know him and to make him known. He's purpose to dwell inside of you. And what happens when that happens? You get it on a magnitude in the house when there's enough Jesus and enough houses. <laughs> when there's enough Jesus identity in the houses. All those houses come together and those houses group them together and all of a sudden you've got this community of houses and and next thing you know, there's some barriers being broken, and there's some, there's some, there's some persons who couldn't get there on their own, and called humanity. And uh, there's four that are laying them down, and I believe those four, in my estimation, you can preach it like you want. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the gospel that brings the person down before the Lord, uh, and now all of a sudden, uh, the forgiveness is there, even in the midst of all. That. See, the power of God was there to heal the Pharisees, the scribes, and everybody, but they weren't all letting Jesus. It was only at the point where they decided, hey, wait a minute. It was the ones that said, look, we got to get through to the Lord. Let's get him down there where he belongs, and that's in the feet of Jesus. And you get Jesus in the house, and we won't have room enough. We're going to have to go all the way to the back end of the parking lot. There's not going to be room enough in the house. You go to the workplace and in your family, in your home, how many want their children saved? How many want their grandchildren saved? How many want their students saved that they've ministered to every day at the classroom. How many want their workplace saved? Wouldn't it be so much better instead of getting out of your workplace you just go ahead and pray through uh, and get the glory of God moving in there and uh, wait a minute, this is my mission field not my, not my misery. All of a sudden things begin to shift and change. How does that happen? It happens through identity and presence and all of a sudden purpose begins to surface. Amen. Amen. I give you all I got. Or all you could stand. So let's stand. <laughs> I want you to do something. There was a pastor that went to the Lord one day and he said, Lord, I want you to make me a better preacher. He said, I won't do it. He said, I'll just make them think you're better. <laughs> You just pray that way. <laughs> just to know him. What is our what is the synergy of the church? What is the vision God has given us that we can we can see it on the run. What is the divine purpose of every individual in this room right now? It's the most beautiful gift that God has given us. That is to know him. When all of a sudden... We as lepers come scooting into the enemy's camp. The enemy has ran off. 
we eat till our bellies are full. Coming from the city that's living in starvation. We walk into that camp. We say, how can we withhold this good news? This good news. Let's go tell them. The weapons they left behind. The food is here. Come get it. See, because once you know him, your compulsion is to make him known. I want you to, once again, taking you out of your comfort zones, lift your hands. Some of you are like, this is no big deal, but some of you are like, whoa, whoa. So you did it before and survived the the whole service. Now, we're doing it again. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're all right. You're going to make it. Father, we ask today in whole surrender that we may come into the synergy of the vision you have for us as a corporate body of believers, as the community of believers in this house, that our single greatest desire has a twofold purpose, to know you and to make you known. Lord, we want to know you. Be as Paul was when he said, all that they credit to me, I count as nothing but waste for the knowledge of you. Now, Lord, I'm asking in this house that you would hear our plea on behalf of this generation and this nation Lord, that we, Lord God, would house such a presence of the person of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, barriers will be broken. Doors, Lord God, will will fill up as those begin to flood to know and to hear the voice of the Spirit of the Lord. As, Lord God, you speak your word through us, that, Lord, others may know who they are in you. In Jesus' name. You say amen? Amen. Amen. Give him praise today. Give him praise today. So this year is going to be a year of transformation. It truly is. Why? Because there's enough people in this house that are hungry for God. Amen. Do you want to be filled? Other than the seven people. Do you want to be filled? I don't want to live full. I want to live overflowing. But see, to be filled, I've got to be hungry. So I release on you a hunger today by the word of God. You are hungry. You are hungry. You are hungry. You are ravenous for revival. 
Hunger, hunger, hunger will drive you. Amen, amen. Next Sunday morning or next Sunday after service, uh, there's going to be Hispanic Fellowship over in, the fellowship, over in the FLC. And so those of you that participate, put that on your calendar. There'll be a lunch that's prepared. Also, members, voting members, we are coming up on our annual business meeting in February. Part of the process is open up the nomination for those members that will uh, are being voted on or re-elected, the positions to be voted on or uh, re-elected into those positions uh, for the board, for the board, I'm sorry, for the board, yeah, all the members, and so I have totally brutalized that. Read your announcements. <laughs> the nominating ballots are out there, the eligible members that uh, are, are available for to fill these positions are out there, and so... To nominate for the board. We should start that. Hey, you get to vote on me. I'm, I might want to vote on you. Nah, I'm, just I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. If you don't like me, just stick around. You probably hate me more. No. Three positions are available uh, for nominations. That is the board secretary, board treasurer, and also one of the board positions. And so pray about that. Make your nominations. Drop them in the box at the back. Amen. I want this morning for you to lift your hearts and your hands. Thank you for being here today. Tim, Tim, come. Come and dismiss us today in prayer. Now, Bibles and Burgers. Uh, Charlie was showing this to me. <laughs> Harold Banner came out. Uh, did a report after we left. You got to get the hindrance. So after we left, Bible, uh, the Herald Banner shows up, and when they show up, uh, they did a report and they had 869 likes as uh, before service today for Bibles and Burgers. Amen. So we thank God for this ministry. Thank you for your prayers and support. Take us out in prayer today. Thank you, man. Hey, um, before I pray you out, if you guys have any old Bibles, will you? Um and you want to donate them to Bibles and Burgers, just get with me or Yvonne, and um, we'll take them. Uh, because when we, uh, when we go out there, they love the older Bibles. They love the ones that are marked in. They love the ones that have been highlighted. Just it's got names in it. And we got a bunch of new Bibles, and they will just overlook them, and they go to those old Bibles. So if you have any and you don't want them no more, get with us. We'll take them, and, and uh, it'll be for a good cause. Thank you. Lord God, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, Father God. Lord, we thank you for the word that was brought today. Lord, let us apply that to our hearts and let us take it beyond these doors as we walk out today. Lord, we just um, we thank you for everyone that is here that fills these seats. And Lord, I pray that the seats are just continue to fill up. Lord, that we continue to bring people through these doors to hear your word, Lord God, that they get strengthened and take your word back out there to just strengthen the body of Christ. Lord, that this town just turns over. Lord, for you. And Father God, I just, as we, as we pray for a revival, Father God, Lord, let us just be a part of that that gets it in the motions. Father God, I thank you and I praise you. Lord, I pray for safety as everybody leaves here today. And Lord, I pray that each and every individual that's here today that returns on Wednesday. Lord, I just thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.